You're listening to the Living Word Church Podcast. To learn more about Living Word Church and our service times, visit us online at livingwordli.org. Today's message comes from our lead pastor, Doug Jansen. How many of you guys are Christmas planners? Like, you guys are pretty good with the gifts and stuff like that. So, all right, how many of you guys... Like way, like, I don't know, like beginning of November, we're already starting to get some gifts. Like you had a few. All right, so a few of you guys. My dad texted me on September 15th and asked me for gift ideas for our kids. I was like, I have not, 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 not given you anything for a while, dad. How many of you guys like are pretty good with plans? So like maybe like, I don't know, like December 10th, you had 90% of your gifts. Just go ahead and raise your hand real quick. Okay. Now, how many of you guys, I guess that means the rest of us are headed to 7-Eleven on the 24th, right? Around 10.30 p.m., right? It'll be like, oh, kids, open up your bacon buffalo taquitos, like a Merry Christmas, and open up that next one. It's a spicy nacho cheese sauce to put on there, right? But man, I think so often in life, um, we look at the plan, we look at the purpose, and sometimes we question it, don't we? We question if there's a plan. We question if there's purpose. We sometimes wrestle with, uh, you know, like, is there meaninglessness? Is, are, are there some things that, you know, have happened in my life that were just so random and out there that it's not going to lead to anything, that there's no purpose? I think of the special. I think of, you know, in the beginning of the special, what the narrator wasn't understanding was the meaning, right? It was the purpose and the plan in it all. And I think that sometimes that's how we feel our lives look as well. You know, it's like, like Andrew said, slap a Mario hat on some random thing and it becomes Christmas. You know, a Christmas hat on Mario and it's suddenly now it's Christmas. No, but like there's a purpose and there's a plan. I want to jump into that purpose and plan here today because hear me, the coming of Jesus was not random. And I want to let you know that your life is not random. Why bring up all these fun things we saw in the special today? Because, man, they're all meant to point us to, to something with meaning. There's a lot of meaninglessness, but something with meaning. And our lives have great meaning. Sometimes it feels random. Sometimes it feels purposeless. Sometimes it even feels like some random thing happened and everything kind of just shattered. A few weeks ago, my son and daughter had some of their neighborhood friends over the house. And so the girls were in the basement and, and Landon and his buddy Caleb were like, well, let's go outside and scare the girls while they were in the basement. And so they went outside at night and the plan was to go and just kind of tap on one of the basement windows a few times and scare them. So my son went ahead and tapped on the window and the window shattered. It just broke. I actually have a video here of them doing it. And so you guys can check this out. It's a little hard to see in here, but check this out. <laughs> was that like right out of a movie or what? Like that movie, that was like a perfect window shatter sound, you know? And so I think sometimes in life, it's like just a random tap, so to speak, in our life and everything shattered, you know? Like you're going through life and all of a sudden there was just one phone call and you took that phone call and everything shattered when you heard the news on the other side. Some of you, you worked so hard to get to a certain school or a place in your career, or some level in your organization, and all of a sudden there was just this random, seemingly random tap and everything shattered. This is so important for us to talk about because when we get to those places where it seems like everything falls apart, I think often what can happen is, you know, sleeplessness replaces a night's night's rest. I think fear replaces joy. I think our hearts can be, become a little bit cold, maybe even angry. I think that we stop praying, we stop believing, we stop trusting, we stop hoping because there's no plan or purpose. 
I just want to say today, that is such a lie. There is great plan and purpose. And I want you to see it here in the Christmas story. And I think we're going to find ourselves here as we look at Mary and Joseph and some of the things that, we went, that, that they went through. We'll see ourselves in some of it today. And I want to give you great hope if you're in the midst of some pain, some hardship, maybe some questioning about where God is. Is there a purpose? Is there a plan? Is there a meaning? And what does Jesus coming have to do with it all? And so we're going to look at that here today. Did you ever stop to think about the fact that Mary and Joseph probably were afraid at times? Maybe Joseph especially was angry at times. I think they both questioned and maybe even doubted the plan of God at times. But I want you to see how they walked through it and where God was in the middle of it all. If you're not a follower of Jesus, we're so glad that you are here or watching online with us. And today, I pray that you'll discover some purpose. You'll discover a plan. You'll discover some meaning, maybe even wrapped up in Jesus. And so we're going to look at the hope that he offers today. We're going to look at a few gospel writers. Uh, We're going to look at Matthew, and we're going to see then something that Peter actually said. And Matthew and Luke give us some gospel background here, and they tell us some of the beautiful Christmas stories. So Matthew is one of Jesus' good friends. He followed Jesus and had seen all that Jesus did. And Matthew tells us, I'm just going to summarize a little bit of of the beginning of Matthew 1. He tells us that there was this couple named Mary and Joseph, and they'd never been together as man and wife. They were engaged, and yet Mary ends up pregnant. And so obviously Joseph is upset, and we haven't even read a verse yet. And you have to imagine already that they're fearful. We haven't read a verse yet. You have to imagine already Joseph's heart might be angry. Does that sound familiar? Is that anyone here in the room? As we look at God, as we try to wrap our mind around what God is doing, as we question, as we doubt, as we struggle, maybe we'll see ourselves in this story more than we realize. And so look at what God has done. Look at Matthew 1, verse 20. It says, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. He was appearing to Joseph, the one who was angry, the one who was bitter at this moment, who's feeling betrayed, appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. This is something huge. This is a part of a huge plan. God's going to save mankind. Everybody say salvation. And so this plan of salvation is in place. I want you to see today how detailed and purposeful the plan of salvation. It's not random. Jesus didn't just show up. This was detailed and purposeful and planned. Look at what it says in the next part. All this took place to fulfill. So Mary becoming pregnant by the Holy Spirit and not by Joseph, like all this was to fulfill something, to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So this great plan of salvation is set in place, but 750 years, everybody say 750 750 years earlier, the prophet Isaiah is telling that the plan's on its way. He's telling that purpose is coming, that Emmanuel, God with us, is coming. You want to tell me that's not planned out and detailed? 750 years before, the details were already being talked about what God would come and do in the plan of salvation. And guys, we so desperately need the plan of salvation. We can't save ourselves, right? I think sometimes we try. I think sometimes we think we can. We so desperately need God's grace in our life. Without the plan of salvation, there is no forgiveness. There is no hope. There is no mercy. There is no eternity with God. No matter how good you try to be, we cannot save ourselves. 
uh, after coming out of the hospital about almost two years ago, I couldn't walk. I had to learn how to walk again. I had to learn how to rebuild muscle. Um, I had to learn how to take steps again. It was very humbling, but they put me in physical therapy and they got me going about you know four times a week, three to four times a week. I'd be there. They got me eventually on a treadmill and exercise bike and I'm doing weights and I got into a workout routine, which I wish I had kept up a little bit better than I have, but I'm working on it. And so um, coming out of physical therapy, I wanted to keep my heart pumping. I wanted to keep my lungs breathing. I wanted to keep my muscles developing. And so I joined a gym. And after only a few weeks of working out at the gym, I started to really hurt in places I shouldn't. Like I know there's like the normal gym hurt, but I was like having pains in my elbows that probably shouldn't have been there. And I knew I wasn't doing things the right way. So I reached out to my buddy Ricky, who's one of our drummers here at church, and he's a personal trainer. I said, can I do a session with you? And he goes, okay, Doug, come out to the gym. He goes, we're going to do warm-ups first. And so he says, get on the treadmill. I did the treadmill for a few minutes. And he takes me in the back. We did something with these ropes like this. Okay, we did the rope thing. And then he takes out this foam pad roller. Does anybody know what I'm talking about right now? Just raise your hand if you know what I mean by the foam pad roller. Okay. He says, I'm going to put the foam pad roller on the ground. And I want you to get into basically like a crawl, uh, you know, like a, a, what would they call it? A, a crab crawl position, right? So like, you know, your feet here and then my hands behind me. And he says, and then you're going to lift your hands up and you're going to rest down on the roller. And then you're going to use your legs to roll yourself back and forth and back and forth. And he's doing this. Like, are you picturing him doing this? Okay. So Ricky's doing this perfectly. It's so smooth, right? I get down there and I go to lift my hands up and my whole backside of my body goes backward. I practically crack my head on the floor. And I'm like, Ricky, is a crane going to lift my upper half up? Like, do I really, really have to do this myself? And he's just like so smooth on it. I look like I'm flailing around like a drunken walrus down there. Like, I don't even know that means but but there I was like unable to even do the warm-up guys that's us with salvation we can't even do the warm-up we can't save ourselves we can't even get close we can't even get near to the point we would need to get to which is perfection to rescue ourselves and so Jesus sends the the uh, start begins this amazing plan of salvation and I want to let you know If God had a plan for Jesus, he's got a plan for you too. If God had a plan for Jesus and what he would do on earth, it was at a different level for sure. But man, there is purpose to your life. It is not meaningless. It's not just a bunch of random taps that shatter our lives and there's no coming back from that. I want you to continue to read with me here in just a minute. See, Mary gives birth to her son and names him Jesus. And after Jesus' birth, some people are looking for Jesus, some wise men and a man named Herod. And it says this in Matthew 2, 4, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Everybody say 700. 700 years before Jesus came, Micah wrote that prophecy. 700 years before Jesus came, where Jesus would be born and what he would do and be a shepherd to the people. Luke tells us something powerful about the birth story. Look at what it says in Luke 2.8. Jesus has been born, and then it says this, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Are you picturing that, right? An angel just shows up, all this glory of God shining all over everywhere, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Listen to me. That was on purpose. 
This angel showing up there at that time in that place with those shepherds was on purpose. And it's not like God got his latitudes and longitudes mixed up when he told the angel where to go. And the angel was really supposed to go over here and show up over the palace instead of some random shepherds in a field. No, the shepherds were a part of the plan and the purpose of God. It's a God with a plan. We're going to see how it continues to unfold. It says in the next part, Today in the town of David, so the, the angels telling the shepherds, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So this announcement wasn't random. They, he wanted the shepherds to know and then go find Jesus. Great purpose and plan, even down to the littlest person, the littlest player in the story is the shepherd, Right? And even the shepherd has a purpose and is a part of this beautiful plan. Can I tell you something? If God had a plan for Jesus and if God had a plan for the shepherds, God has a plan and a purpose for you and me as well. If that weren't enough, look at this, Luke 2.13. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. So this angel wasn't lost. Because a whole host of angel, angels appears with him, and this message continues. And then it says this, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Now, can we just think like Mary and Joseph for a second? If you're Mary and Joseph, you're lot, you have Jesus lying in a manger, which was a feeding trough for animals, and you're in the middle of nowhere, there was no room in the hotel, right? Are you thinking that maybe this plan isn't quite all that we thought it was going to be? Like Jesus, his coming, like God's whole plan is, oh, here, it's going to be wonderful, and the Messiah is going to come, and the Savior is going to come, it's going to be incredible, he's going to save all the people from his sin. Wow, that's amazing. Then why are we in this barn? Why is my child, why is the Son of God in a feeding trough for animals? Don't you think? That just like you and me, maybe they were doubting the plan in that moment. Maybe they were wondering if this was actually going to turn into anything, if there was purpose to it, if there was meaning to it. Was this child just random? Why can't we find the purpose in the middle of this? I'm, I'm sure they were wrestling with those thoughts. And so I think what happens next is so huge because I think like Mary and Joseph, often you and I aren't seeing the whole picture, are we? We're seeing little, little pieces. Often we're not looking at things the way God looks at things. I want to read a poem to you guys. And I know I, I shared this poem on a few retreats that I spoke at, but I don't think I shared it here. But if I did, just pretend it's the most amazing thing you've ever heard, okay? You guys got me? All right, awesome. A young man named Kyle McCarty wrote this, and it's going to make you really uncomfortable, okay? But hang in there with me. Here we go. Read it with me. God doesn't love me. You can't force me to believe God is good. This is the one truth in life. This world is a product of chance. How can I believe that God will use my life? I know with certainty that God has left me. Never again will I say that Christ is risen from the dead. I now know more than ever in my life that man can save himself. We must realize that it is ignorant to think God answers prayers. Christians declare that without God, this world would fall into darkness. This world can and will meet my needs. It is a lie to say that God has always been there for me. I now realize that no matter what I do, the truth is he doesn't love me. How can I presume that God is good? And you and I read something like that, we get uncomfortable, like, I'm not coming back to this church, man. I don't know what they talk about on Easter, but this is messed up right here on Christmas, until you realize that the poem was written and meant to be read 
upside down. Read it with me from the bottom up. God is good. How can I presume that he doesn't love me? The truth is, no matter what I do, I now realize that God has always been there for me. It is a lie to say that this world can and will meet my needs. Without God, this world would fall into darkness. Christians declare that God answers prayers. We must realize that it is ignorant to think man can save himself. I now know more than ever in my life that Christ is risen from the dead. Never again will I say that God has left me. I know with certainty that God will use my life. How can I believe this world is a product of chance? This is the one truth in life. God is good. You can't force me to believe God doesn't love me. Isn't that amazing how just seeing it the right way makes all the difference? How it speaks to all those questions, how there are answers right within it, right there in the very story, in the very poem that was already written, are the answers. And sometimes we're looking at life and we're not seeing it that way. We're not seeing the pieces like God sees them. But he is the great master uh, puzzle maker, right, who brings it all together and finds purpose in a plan even when we can't see it ourselves. And I'm sure Mary and Joseph were wrestling with that. I'm sure they were wondering if God was really going to be up to something as wonderful as he told them. But it goes on. It says in verse 17, when they, when the shepherds had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So the shepherds, right, the ones who have this insignificant little role in the story, turn into the first preachers, don't they? And they turn into the first ones going and sharing the message about, about Jesus, of, of a plan and a purpose. And I love what verse 19 says. You ready? And this is what we have to learn from today, everybody. It says, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Wait a minute. Mary's still in the barn, isn't she? Jesus is still in the, in the feeding trough, right? But Mary is seeing some of it now, right? She's seeing that God is actually up to something, that there is a plan and there is a purpose and there is something good and God is working something that she can't quite understand yet, but there's this other whole dimension that's coming that God is making something wonderful of, planned and purposeful and meaningful. Over time, Mary would see more and more of her son grow up into who he was to be, right? And eventually Jesus would become this powerful man walking the earth, right? We said last week he's fully God, fully man, but here he begins to work miracles and people begin to see this and their lives are changed. But then Mary would also see her son eventually betrayed and arrested and eventually the religious leaders who arrested him and, and brought him up on false charges would convince the Roman leadership to nail Jesus to a cross. And right there is when the plan went off the rails, Right? Right there is when the, gee, God's whole plan, the whole purpose, right? It must have gone off the rails right there. Or was God in the midst of even that? And that's where we struggle, I think, right? We struggle in those moments where we don't see the full picture. We're just getting little glimpses, and, and it seems like we're defeated, and it seems like there's no hope. But, but hang on here. Look at what Peter says. He gives this speech in the book of Acts in, in, in uh, chapter 2, verse 22. He says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man credited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. In other words, you saw him do great miracles. You saw Jesus do incredible things. And then it says this. This man who was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. All right, hang on now. He was handed over by God's deliberate plan. Everybody say plan and foreknowledge. But then the next part says, with the help of wicked men, 
uh, excuse me, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. And this is where we wrestle so much, everybody. This is where our hearts can grow cold. This is where we can question if God is good or even there at all. It's when God's plan and men's wickedness collide, isn't it? Because we know that God is good and he has a good plan. But man, what is going on with men's wickedness? And we know that God is good. And scriptures tell us that God does not tempt anyone that they should sin. So we know that the men who nailed Jesus to the cross, God didn't force them to do that. He didn't tempt them to do that because God can't do that and be God. And there's this tension here, isn't there? God's plans, man, wickedness collide. And that's what happens in our lives. Right at that point, that's where we go, are you there? Are you good? Where we suffer the brokenness of this world, where we're, we're going through something and we've been betrayed or we've been feeling abandoned or someone lied or someone, uh, somehow our, our bodies hurt. And again, we're living in this fallen world. And again, God's plan and the brokenness of mankind and God's plan in the hands of evil men. And, and this is where we wrestle. What do we do right there? This is where Mary was, no? In a broken world, not in a palace. This is where Joseph was, trusting God, trusting that God would come through, trusting God still had a plan even in the midst of it. We know God is good. He's got a good plan. We know man is evil and there's evil in this world. And yet God was about to bring the salvation of mankind through this event, through the collision of God's plan and man's evil. Someone had to pay for our sin. Someone had to do it. Jesus came to do it for us. We can't save ourselves. Remember, we can't even do the warm-up, right? We so need the grace of Jesus. So what do we do when we don't understand the plan or we don't see the plan? More on that in just a minute. But look at verse 24. Praise God for this verse. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Jesus rose back from the dead. Fast forward to Easter, right? Jesus rose back from the dead. Only God can pull that off. Only God can do that. Sinners who can't save themselves, make themselves right with God, reconcile themselves. Jesus comes to do all of that for us. Sometimes we think, if I could just hit that bullseye on the cosmic target, right, I'll be right with God. We can't ever hit that. When I was a kid, I was at a camp with my buddy Stephen, and it was our youth trip there. My buddy, my, my buddy Stephen's dad was named Paul, and Paul was a police officer, and we're on this trip, and there was a shooting range at this camp that we went to. And so we went down to the shooting range, and of course, my buddy Paul, as a police officer, was a really good shot. His son Stephen and I are the same age. We're probably like 13, 14 at this time. And so we go over there, and Stephen takes out his gun, and he shoots and shoots and shoots, and the target... You know, he finally gets the target in his hand, and he's, like, floored. They were all bullseyes. He's like, this is crazy. I'm an amazing shot. What he didn't realize is while he was shooting, his dad, the police officer, was in the lane next to him shooting at Stephen's target. And he's the one that hit the bullseye every time. Stephen didn't even hit the paper. Guys, what a perfect image of us and God. We didn't even hit the paper. Jesus, I'll come hit the bullseye. How about I come? I'll die in your place. I'll live the life you can't live. And then I'll rise from the dead and I will hit the bullseye. And I want to tell you today that if God had a plan for Jesus and if God had a plan for the shepherds and if God had a plan for Mary and Joseph, he has a plan for you and I as well. In fact, I would say that our plan is wrapped up in his plan. His plan is to know you and to love you and that you would know him and love him. And so when I begin to understand that I'm in a loving relationship with the God of all, right, all creation, all life, all salvation, 
that suddenly I find my purpose. I discover there's a plan for me. I discover that there's a love relationship that I can have that's safe and secure, and now I can know God and be known by God, and then right there I discover my purpose. I want to tell you today, no matter what you're walking through, and no matter how dark it might be, no matter how painful it might be, no matter if God's plan and evil man's plans have come together and collided, if God had a purpose for Jesus, if God had a plan for Jesus, then man, there is a plan and a purpose for you as well. All that you've been through, even your own decisions, sometimes we like to rule those ones out. Well, all right, I was betrayed. God will use that. But I made this mess. I know God will use that as well. How do you respond to this? Well, if you're not a follower of Jesus, man, what an amazing day to put your trust in him. What an amazing day to say, Jesus, I need you to save me. I couldn't do the warm-up. I couldn't hit the target. Jesus, you hit the bullseye. I need you. I need rescuing. I need forgiveness. I need this love and mercy. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that as we close in just a minute. But if you're a follower of Jesus, see, right here, we've got to get our eyes on him. Mary got her eyes on the plan and the purpose while she was still in the stable. And we have to get our eyes on Jesus. We have to see those glimpses. Mary got a glimpse of, okay, we were kind of feeling like we were on our own on this. And all of a sudden, these shepherds come and tell us about all these angels that show up announcing this amazing message. And so I see a glimpse. I see God's hand. And sometimes we don't see the whole story. Often we don't. But what glimpse of him do you see? What hope of his is there? Because that changes everything. I want to encourage you guys with something. Because we have a God who takes even the most messed up, disgusting, horrible, horrific circumstances and can make good out of them as we look to him. He promises to do that for us. Something we say a lot around here is nothing's wasted. Nothing's wasted. So I have a goal right now of hitting 10,000 steps a day. I just want to hit 10,000 steps a day. I know I'm not going to turn into the rock if I do that, but it's a start, right? So I'm doing that, and I'm the kind of person where I hate when energy, time, or resources are wasted. Like, I hate it to the degree that if I came into the house after being out and I left my wallet in the car, I'd get inside and be like, ah, my wallet in the car. Ah, I have to walk 38 steps, right, back to get my wallet. I'd be all mad about it for a little while. Like, what an idiot. I can't believe I, right? But think about it. Now I have a goal of taking 10,000 steps a day. So if I leave my wallet in the car now, I got 10,000 more of these steps to take. I'm good with the 38 right now. Let's walk out, and it'll count toward what I was going to do anyway. Nothing's wasted. But here's what hit me. You ready? Even before I had the goal of 10,000 steps a day, those steps weren't wasted. I just didn't see them for what they were. I didn't see what they would produce. I didn't realize every step I took was another step toward health, right? Another step toward being in better shape. Another step toward burning some calories. Another step toward health of my lungs and health of my body, right? Every single step I took, even when I thought it was a wasted step, was used for something, for my good. And the same is true for your life. Every single step you take it's for something. Every single step Jesus took accomplished something. Even when God's plan and evil man's plan collided. For you and I, even when God's plan and our plan, sometimes which is evil, collides. God's using all of it. An example of this that's just incredible is a woman named Corey Tenboom. Her sister's name is Betsy. The Tenboom family around the time of World War II saved an estimated 800 Jewish people. They opened up their home. They figured out a way to get them to safety. Eventually, though, they were found out. Their home was raided, and Corey and Betsy were taken to a concentration camp. 
And you can imagine that they went through every evil that you would experience in a concentration camp. They had great faith in Jesus. As Betsy's body endured more and more abuse, she grew to the point where she was close to death. And her last words were to whisper to her sister, Corey. But as her health got worse, her faith got stronger. And this is what Betsy's last words were. Let it speak to you today. She said, must tell people what we've learned here. We must tell them. There is no pit so deep that he is not deeper still. Listen, you ready? She said, they will listen to us, Corey, because we've been here. Because we've been here. She didn't say, Corey, you've lived a great life with no pain or suffering. So, of course, they're going to see God all over it. Look, God answers prayers. God heals. God saves. God rescues. God provides. God delivers. But he uses the hardship, too, doesn't he? And sometimes, because we've been through it, that's exactly why people will listen when we say God is good. When we say, I've been in the depths, but he was deeper still. And he walked with me through it. And he gave me purpose and showed me his plan, even in the midst of all that pain. Even the darkest moments of our lives are not wasted. I want you to say that with me. Let's say the first half. Even the darkest moments of my life are not wasted. This was certainly true for Mary and Joseph as they endured all that they endured. This was true for Jesus as his death brought the hope of humanity. Every step Jesus took accomplished something, even when it wasn't apparent, even when it didn't seem right. Join us this Friday and then Sunday on the stream because what we're going to do is talk about the faithfulness of God. And there are some testimonies that are big, huge miracles that people are going to share about. But also are some people who didn't get the answer they thought or hoped they were going to get. But yet they found a faithful God still walking with them and giving them the grace that they needed to keep going. So that's this Friday at 7, excuse me, 6 and 7.30. And then our stream all day on the 25th. Here's what happens. We remember that there was a great plan and purpose for Jesus, and so there's a great plan and purpose for us, what happens is, man, we start to sleep again, don't we? Peace replaces fear, doesn't it? Joy comes back. Hope comes back. Faith comes back. Prayer returns. Christian community becomes a blessing. Keeping our eyes on him who sees the whole picture, even when we can only see a tiny little glimpse of it. There is a plan. There is a purpose. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to give you a chance to put your trust in Jesus in just a minute. But for all of us here today and watching online, be encouraged and keep your eyes on him. There was a great plan and purpose for Jesus. There is a great plan and purpose for you. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for being born and then dying and then rising from the dead that we would know you. Jesus, thank you that our plan and purpose is wrapped up in your plan and purpose, God, to know us and for us to know you. The meaning that you give our lives as we look to you, Jesus, is like nothing else. And so, God, we're so grateful for what you've done for us. If you're a father of Jesus, can I just ask you to pray that your eyes would be opened like Mary's were when, when those shepherds showed up and said, hey, angels came and announced this child. Get your, your eyes on even just a little glimpse of the hope of what God is up to. 
And if there seems like there's no hope ahead, we look back, right? We look back to what Jesus did. We look back to times in our past where God's shown up and done something incredible. And maybe some of us today need to pray that prayer that the man in Scripture prayed to Jesus. These words he spoke to Jesus. He said, I believe, help me with my unbelief. Maybe that's some of us where we're at right now. I believe in you, God, but man, I got a whole lot of unbelief kicking around in there. Oh, Jesus, help me. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I'd love for you to put your trust in him today. You can pray with me right now. Just something like this. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for coming for me. Thank you for hitting the bullseye, Jesus, when I couldn't even hit the paper or do the warm-up, God. Thank you for coming for me. Jesus, show me how real you are and show me that you're with me even when life shatters. When I can't see how you're going to pick up the pieces and put the puzzle together, Jesus, help me to trust you. And I thank you for this gift of salvation in your name. Amen. Hey, we're here to encourage you in your faith. We're here to pray with you. We're here to believe with you. If you're somebody who put their trust in Jesus for the first time today, we'd love to encourage you and and maybe help you take some next steps. And so feel free to reach out to us. But God bless you guys and Merry Christmas.